This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Hello. Welcome to this qualification meeting. I'm a food addict from California, and I'm your leader for this session. After a moment of silence, will you please join me in the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So, it's good to be here today, and uh, I, um, I was thinking earlier this morning about, not what I wanted to say, but just about some of the things that have happened in my life that have brought me here. And you know, I've had my fair share of calamities, and I also had a wonderful, wonderful childhood. So, um, but I think about what all the things that I thought were bad have turned out to bring good things in my life, and, and this is one of them. So, um, not, not speaking today being bad, but just being here is a good, good, good thing. I, um, I was raised uh, in Southern California in a beach community. I lived with uh, my mother and father. I was the oldest of three children. Um, I felt loved and adored. I was told I was beautiful. I was apparently a very active child. I, I uh, didn't sit still. I don't know if I had some form of ADHD or something, but I just was running around all the time. Uh, skinny and uh, just content. Uh, and then I reached a stage where a few things happened. One, about the age of 11, I started changing from a beanpole body to a curvy, uh, more voluptuous girl's body, which was very uncomfortable for me. Um, you know, everything started to stick out in different ways, uh, in different ends and parts of my body, including my nose, which um, I, I was always self-conscious about. And I, I, I remember feeling this disconnect with my body, like this isn't who I am, but it's, but it's me and what's going on. I'm really uncomfortable about that. At the same time, my parents, I. I just to bring it back a little bit to my childhood, I, so I felt loved, I felt adored, I felt cared for. Um, I knew I was the apple of my parents' eyes, but their life was so out of control with each other. And I remember really uncomfortable moments where one time I remember my dad standing there and my mom was literally pounding on his chest and screaming, and he was just standing there, and I remember thinking, 
do something about that. Why aren't you doing something? Why are you letting her do that? And I just always remember feeling like my mom was out of control and my father was passive and not doing what he should do or not taking care of things the way he should. He, he was a doctor. He was out of the house much of the time. And um, my mom, was, so I was the oldest of three kids, and we, had, uh, we were all kind of wild, active kids. And so I think my mom had her hands full, and I think she had a very, very, very short fuse. So there, it was always chaotic feeling in my house, and it was always you know, worrying about what was mom going to do um, if we were... Um, you know, if we did something to set her off, what, when was the wooden spoon going to come out? When was the, you know, when was she going to wipe everything off of my shelf and knock all the, all the toys and things down? When was something, uh, calamitous going to happen? And so I had these two different parents and I remember her saying, wait till your father gets home. And I would think, thank you, God, because my dad isn't going to bother, he's not going to be, he's not going to have the fury that my mother had. So at, at around the age of 11, I remember it was a school morning, my parents came in the kitchen, I was sitting at the counter with my brother and sister, and um, I was eating breakfast, and they said, we want you to know we're getting separated, Dad, dad is moving out. And I just remember this feeling of terror, like, oh my God, my mom is going to lose it and get crazy and we're going to be stuck with her and my dad is leaving and that poor, poor, poor guy is going to be by himself. And, and, I, and I just remember thinking, I don't want to cry, I don't want to cry, I don't want to cry. And literally like burying myself into my bowl of breakfast um, items and, and just sort of shoveling them in my mouth. and and. Praying I didn't cry. One of the reasons why I didn't want to cry also was I was sneak wearing makeup and um, I didn't want it to um, show because then I thought my mom's really going to go off the edge. So I ran to school um, and, uh, and I remember feeling like, oh my God, we're the first person. I'm, oh, by the way, I'm 62 years old. Almost, no, I'm lying, sort of. On Wednesday, I'll be 62 years old. So I'm almost 62 years old, and I, um, you know, this was 1966, I think, when this happened, and and people weren't getting divorced in my neighborhood, and I was the first person to have their parents get divorced, and I was really, really, really uncomfortable about going to school and and being that kid whose parents were divorcing. And um, it just all those feelings, all that insecurity, combined with all the hormones that were raging in my body, and this feeling of in, you know, of discomfort with the way I looked and and everything. It just was. It was the recipe for the ingredients that go into, I think, making an addict. And I think I came from parents who had addictive behavior, and um, so. Anyway, fast forward to, I would just fast forward to about 16 when I remember really starting to act out on my addiction. And I remember um, up until then, and probably up until the age of 21, I was in a normal-sized body. I don't know how, but that's, that, that's just my story. I don't think I really crossed into total blown-out food addiction until then. But I, um, I remember as a kid... We were 16, I was able to drive, and we drive from the coast of, um, of uh, Los Angeles 
down to Hollywood, down Sunset Boulevard, and we'd careen our way down with about four or five of us loaded into my mom's station wagon. I was stoned out of my mind, laughing with my best friend who was on the, in the passenger seat uh, about the two kids in the back putting on their seatbelts, like, oh, how nerdy. And, um, and we were just careening down, going to go to a ethnic restaurant down, down in the Sunset area in Hollywood and go have a huge feast. And then we would go to um, a, a college there, near there, and, and go and watch uh, foreign movies. And, and, but before we did that, we stopped at a drugstore and bought loads and loads and loads of candy. And... Um, we, uh, we'd go and we'd just eat, 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 you know, get stoned. So I, that's why I got stoned, so I could eat and I could have an excuse for it. And then eat, 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 and then go to the movie and eat, 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 eat. We had one friend who wouldn't even sit in the row with us because we were too immature and, you know, she wanted to impress the college students. Um, and we, that was what we did every Friday night and we'd go, I, it began my career of going any distance to get a certain kind of food. And I was picky about it. And I, I wanted, you know, this kind of ethnic food from that ethnic restaurant. Or I wanted this, ba- this baked item from that bakery. And I would go to any length. And I was basically lazy at that time, but I wouldn't hesitate to get on my bike and ride six miles into another community to go to the you know, to the Greek bakery to get something I wanted. It just, that, it just began a career of, of, um, get something in your mind and go get it. And, um, and I, and it, it really points to the addictive behavior of being impulsive and, and, um, and needing to have something and, and, and having that desire be the most important thing that you just had to go to any length to get it. And I went to any length to get my drugs. Um, so I, um, I went to college. I, I was um, happy to be away from home. I tried to pick a college that was the farthest away from home as possible. Um, and I went and I had a great time. And then I got this thing in my head that I need to move back home. I need to go home and, and, uh, and, and, and go to this other college. So we went, I went back home and I was miserable. And I'd come home from school at night. This was this huge, gorgeous campus in Los Angeles. It had sculpture gardens and beautiful things. And I don't remember anything except for the vending machines and the student union where I could get food. And, um, and then I'd come home at night and I'd make a box of something that said serves for. And I think it was, you know, false advertising that they said that. And, um, you know, like serves for what? Infants? And it was just crazy. So I, I'd make that and I'd eat it. It was a flour product generally. And, um, and I'd go to bed and I gained about 25 pounds in about a year's period of time. And then I moved back up, um, to the Bay Area where I, near where I had gone to college first and lost the weight. And then didn't find that weight again until um, I was either pregnant. Uh, both pregnancies, I gained a lot of weight, and um, you know, any license to eat was any license to eat, and then add 
that ingredient of fear. And I think I had fear being pregnant and fear about how my life would change and what, how would I be as a mother and how would we be as parents, my husband and I. And um, so I, I gained weight with both of the pregnancies, a lot of weight. I gained about um, 30, 40 pounds with each one and then took it off. So I don't think I had pickled by that point. I don't think I had really, really crossed the line into full-blown food addiction. Um, But I was dabbling in it for sure. Um, So I'm just going to roll forward to when I was really, really, really addictively eating. And what happened was um, we were living in Los Angeles at the time my husband and I and, and our two children, and my husband called, we just moved into our dream home, and my husband called me and said, we're moving back up to the Bay Area. And I, I had such fear and resentment and anger about that. And instead of just crying, I just picked up the phone and I called a friend and I said, do you want to go have lunch? Not so that we could go and talk about my feelings, not so that I could go get some comfort from her, but so that I could just stuff them down. And that just began a eight-year career of stuffing feelings down, stuffing happiness down, stuffing sadness down, stuffing resentment or anger or fear. And fear was always unacknowledged by me. In fact, I've been in programs since... 2000. I've been abstinent since the um, since August 28, 2000, and um, I I think just now, 16 years into my abstinence, am I acknowledging that I have fear. Um, so, but it it I know for me it's the it's the it's the underlying component of anything that makes me uncomfortable. Almost anything that makes me uncomfortable. But uh, So I had this fear about moving back up to the Bay Area. I didn't want to be back with my in-laws. I didn't want to be back really with my mom. I just wanted to be in my life that was down in Southern California. I was really, really, really sad. And I wouldn't cry. That was typical of me. Again, not crying when I'm hearing sad news and going to eat. And um, I remember one day about... Four, four weeks after that, a friend called me and said, Jamie, what's going on, on with you? And, um, and I said, what, what? And she said, you know, you're gaining weight, like fast, and something's going on. And do you want to talk about it? And I said, oh, no, I think I've just been, you know, I just haven't been exercising. And, and that was, even here I had a friend asking me to communicate with her about that, who recognized it in me, and I wouldn't see it in myself, and I wouldn't talk about it, and I wouldn't share. And um, anyway, we, we moved up, oh, and I just, that just began my career of just eating, 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 eating. And, and what a typical day was like for me and my food addiction was, well, I'm going to start with the night before. It started the night before, always. If I'm going to do a 24-hour period, it started the night before. I'd go to bed and I think, "You really screwed up today. You really screwed up. You did not do what you said you were going to do. You ate. You didn't diet. You didn't exercise. Whatever." I just was so mean to myself, and I, I, um, 
So I go to bed feeling lousy, but at the, right before I go to sleep, I think, you know what, tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow you have an opportunity to do something different. And I'd wake up in the morning and I would um, usually not have breakfast because that was something that I felt like I was, heard somebody talking about if they didn't have breakfast then they were delaying you know, eating and so it was less food that they were eating that day. And I, I thought, yeah, that's, that, that's what I did. So I, I wouldn't have breakfast or if I had breakfast it was something that had sugar all over it or, or flour. And, um, and I, I would try and diet until about, it was either 11 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Those were the two times. Those were the witching hours for me. And, um, and I'd try and make it to those times and then it was all bets are off. And then I went to, I went to go buy stuff and I'd say I'm buying it for my kids and I'd eat it or I'm buying it for, uh, you know, a bake sale. I'm just, you know, something. And I just was eating all day long. And, and I wasn't one of those big bingers. I, I never really was a big binger, but I could have a, uh, you know, a, a recipe of something in my house and I'd eat it over the next three or four days, but I didn't eat it all in one sitting. That just wasn't my story. Um, and I, uh, I just think I, I moved through a lot of, you know, I, my bro- I remember when I was, 21, my brother um, killed himself. And I remember my father coming and my uncle coming to tell me I was on my way to work and they came to my apartment in San Francisco from uh, Los Angeles and they, they were at the door and I just remember seeing them at the door and knowing something awful had happened and just kind of... I remember sitting with them on the plane and not crying, like wanting to cry, wanting to cry, wanting to cry. And then, and then, and then being at his, um, service and not really crying. And then after the service, people coming to our home to eat, um, afterwards. And I just, I remember going into the bathroom and I had been to a, um, uh, a lake with some friends about three days before and I had gotten a terrible, terrible, terrible sunburn. And I just remember peeling my skin, just sitting there and peeling my skin and thinking, I don't want to go out there. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to be with anybody. I don't want to face this. And, um, and also not wanting to have to make people feel better for trying to make me feel good or better. I didn't want anybody's sympathy and I didn't want to deal with my feelings about dealing with them. And um, that was sort of, that's just been a pattern in my life. Um, So anyway, to just, I don't know why I digress to that, but that is just illustrating of the the way that I was when painful things happened. And... um, to roll forward, so when I was in my food addiction, I was starting to feel depressed. Um, I remember I had a friend, the same friend who talked to me when I had gained weight um, uh, a couple years before. She had said that she um, she found that there was this one drug that the doctor gave her, which was a you know I don't know something, and she lost weight from it. It wasn't wasn't for weight loss, but she lost weight, and I thought. 
I'm going to the doctor and I'm going to tell him I have those symptoms and I'm going to, I'm going to lose weight. Um, I wanted to be hospitalized. I wanted to maybe have a little appendicitis or something so that I could lose 10 pounds. I wanted to go to a treatment center that would take care of me and spoon feed me for, you know, I would feed myself, but they would give me the food. Um, I wanted desperately to find an answer and I couldn't find one. I went to weight loss programs, commercial weight loss programs. Um, I went to nutritionists. I went to hypnosis. Uh, I went through hypnosis. I went to doctors to get diet pills. I went to this horrible, irreputable doctor in, in the town near where we lived that had this little clinic where you could go in and, um, I remember it was dirty in there and I still, went in to go get diet pills. Um, I tried everything. I, at one point I went to see this nutritionist and I walked into her office. I remember walking into her desk, which was about 10 feet in front of me, and she was sitting behind it and she stood up and she was easily 70 pounds overweight. And I remember thinking, how is she gonna tell me what to do when she can't even do it herself? And walking straight up and giving her the check and paying her and thinking to myself, maybe if I'm accountable to somebody, it'll help. Um, I, I didn't want to deal with, as I said before, I didn't want to deal with anybody's feelings. So I had two teenagers who were probably at this time now um, 11 and 13 years old with raging hormones. And whenever anything uncomfortable happened to them, I wanted to either take them to a doctor or a hospital, or give them food. Those were my answers. And that was those were the answers for myself, too. I wanted to go to a hospital, or, or, or go to a doctor, or get some food. And um, those, those were the things, that, those were my solutions to my problem. Um, and I, 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 uh, I just went to, you know, as I said, I went to any lengths to get my food and I went to any lengths to feel comfortable. I did not want to feel any discomfort and it's really hard to be a mother of teenage kids and not feel discomfort. And, um, and instead of being in a comfortable relationship with my husband, I demonized him because he was making me feel uncomfortable because I was overweight and he didn't understand. He's not an addict. He didn't understand you know, like, I remember one day we were laying in bed and he said, one night we were laying in bed, and he said, Jamie, you do anything you want to do. I don't understand why you can't lose weight. Like, everything you want to do, you do, and you do it well, and, and, you, and you give the, the good effort. Why can't you lose weight? And I just remember thinking, I'm, I think I'm like an alcoholic. I think I'm an alcoholic with food. I didn't know about food addiction. I didn't know that there was such a thing. I didn't know that I could um, get, ha find a solution or that I could ask for help from somebody who had been through this. And uh, I just remember feeling hopeless and helpless. And um, my father, my father died after a long illness, after a long debilitating illness. And um, I remember after he died, I looked up to the God that I didn't believe in, 
and put my arms up in the air and said, maybe now I can lose weight. And four days later, this kind of acquaintance friend of mine ran into me. We ran into each other in a parking lot, dropping our dogs off to be groomed. She said, hi, Jane. Uh, hi. And I said, oh, my God. I, don't, I, I, couldn't, I didn't know who it was. I, there was something vaguely familiar about her, but I didn't know who it was. She said, it's me, it's so-and-so, and I flew out of my car and um, practically assaulted her, knocked her over, and she was little at the time, and I, I said, what have you done? Because she had lost 110 pounds, she looked completely different. Her eyes were bright and smiley, her mouth was, she always had a beautiful smile, but she wasn't smiling the last time I saw her, and, and she was in this darling little body and, you know, tiny little jeans and, and a cute little top. And, and I said, what have you done? And she said, I've, I've been doing this program called FA. I didn't ask what that meant. And later on, I went and tried to find it in the phone book. I couldn't find it. I, uh, I don't think, I don't know if I knew how to do the internet then, but um, so I didn't, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it meant. I thought it had something to do with food. But um, she told me, she said, it's based on the 12 steps and 12 traditions of AA. And I knew that that, that organization worked for people uh, with very severe problems. And I thought, and she lost 110 pounds. I only need to lose 25. I actually lost 42. But, um, you know, I had decided since I was 45 years old, I, I could have extra weight on my body because I was older. And um, uh, so anyway... I, she told me about it. She told me a few things only. Thank you, God. She said, it's free. You don't have to exercise. And you get to get a sponsor. And I knew, I had seen people working the AA program who were being sponsored and who were sponsoring. And I, I knew the value of that. And that's what I wanted. I wanted somebody to be accountable towards. And um, so she told me. And I went out. And I ate for the next three weeks. And I ate every flour and sugar product in the county where I live. Um, and I think I gained 10 pounds in that three weeks. So I don't advise anybody to do that, but that's what I did. Um, she told me about this program. She showed me her food. I remember she, she had it on a plate and she peeled back this um, tin foil. And it you know, wasn't even in Tupperware or anything. She peeled it back and it was normal food. It was stuff that I could feed my family or I could go out to a restaurant and get. And it was, and, and, and the portions looked decent. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't minuscule or, or um, me, meager. It looked fine. It looked good. It looked healthy. And it was colorful. And my food was very uncolorful. I had shades of white through dark brown. That was it. And... Um, I, I, she didn't tell me a lot of other things, thank you God. I didn't hear anything else that I didn't need to hear. And I, um, so I, I waited about three weeks. I went to program. I got a sponsor, a temporary sponsor who, who gave me a really strong foundation in just, in just, you know, one week. And I felt, I remember the first night going to bed, we went to, a, I went to a party, a book group party that night, 
and the book group was about a book about food, one of my binge foods. And I remember I had eaten before I went, um, and I, I sat there, and there was this like grace that had come over me, where I just, I thought, I don't need to have that stuff. And I've had my fair share of it, and I know what it tastes like, and I don't want it. And I, I want to lose this weight. And that's why, I mean, for the beginning, that's what I was there for. I was there to lose weight. Um, I had no idea that I would um, improve my marriage, uh, that I would become a better mother. I mean, I can, I, can, I can go on and on and on about the gifts, and I will talk about that in a few minutes. But I had no idea. I just wanted to lose weight. And, and I... Um, I, but I remember going to bed that night. I had committed the food to my sponsor. And that was the other thing. Every other food program that I did should have just been entitled, you know, my own food program. Because I didn't, I didn't do ever what they said to do. I never followed instructions and I always cheated. Always. Um, and, and, and I dieted my way up from 119 or 120 to 162 um, and, and did a real good job of it in the last three weeks before I, before I actually committed to weighed and measured meals with my sponsor. And I remember going to bed that night and thinking, just the biggest few, like, uh, I told somebody what I was going to do and I did it. I had integrity, hope, courage, and comfort that night that I hadn't had for eight years. And, and I went to bed and I felt like I was already 20 pounds less weight. Uh, my knees had started hurting before I went to program. I blamed it on the, the puppy that we got who was, you know, she was a big golden retriever dog who pulled me on the leash, and I, I thought it was my, my legs, you know, jarring on the ground. But it, it was, it was, I had a re- allergic reaction to flour and sugar, definitely. It caused inflammation in my joints. I, that, the minute I, it seemed like the minute I took flour and sugar out of my system, my knees felt better, my legs felt better. Um, everything felt better, and I was still the same Jamie, oh, that went to bed the night before. Um, but anyway, I, I went to, um, I started going to meetings. I got a sponsor. I got a sponsor who led me to, um, do service. She encouraged me to go and participate in our local area intergroup. Uh, at the time, the intergroup was, um, just working out their bylaws. So it was very, very fascinating for me. I love that kind of service. Um, I was encouraged by my next sponsor to uh, to do even more service at the world service level. I, um, you know, I was always looking for something to fill me up, and I finally figured out that it wasn't in the cupboards and it wasn't in the refrigerator. It was in doing service, and it was in staying abstinent. And I. Um, I felt so fulfilled doing that. And all my life was the same. Everything was the same. I married the same guy. He's the same person. My kids were the same. 
But every, it was like I put on, it's like I got some sort of eye surgery and all of a sudden could see everything clearly and beautifully. And I, I, uh, I just remember feeling this feeling of like exaltation. It just was a, a wonderful release. And I, I wanted to give it back to other people. I started sponsoring. My sponsor encouraged me to, to sponsor and I, I, I love doing that. I, um, I don't know. I just, I just feel so blessed that I was in the position that I had a sponsor who worked a strong program, who gave it to me straight, who helped me to see the value in the tools and the disciplines and in, in fostering a relationship with God. Uh, when I, when I got the sponsor, I was about two years abstinent and I remember talking to her on the phone and I'd call her up and I'd say, you know, I'd mention something good about my daughter or something, and she'd say, thank you, God. And, and then I'd say something else, and she'd say, thank you, God. And she finally got to the point where I thought, if she says thank you, God, one more time, I'm going to throw this phone across the room. But then one day, you know, maybe a month later, I found myself, I don't know, something simple, getting a parking space or something and saying, thank you, God. And then... Thank you, God, I have this husband. Thank you, God, I have these children. Thank you, God, I have a roof over my head and, 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 that, I, and that I have you know, clean food to eat and I have a, a bed that I can lay in and that I have this, this wonderful, rich life that I feel like I maybe would have had, but the program, this program of recovery has brought it into like... into... Big color, big big color, and uh, I um, I just feel so blessed, and I just um, I just feel like I'm here to pass it on, like that is my job, uh, and if I pass it on, I get to keep it. I love in the in the big book, I think it's the big book, or maybe the 24 hour where it talks about the the River Jordan, and 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 that it's a you know it's a clean, fresh river, and it and it's not dammed up, and it and it it comes from something, and it goes on to something, and I, I, I want to be that that body of water for somebody else. I just I I feel so blessed, and I um, I. I I love that this program has given me the disciplines in the tools and the parameters that um, keep me safe. It's like staying on a, on a safe road with guardrails that keep me from flailing off in the wind or um, I just feel totally secure, totally taken care of and every day is a blessing. Every day I wake up and think, thank you God I have this day. Thank you God I was absent the day before so I can pass it on today. Um, and that's it. Please join me in a moment of silence and the serenity prayer. Bless you. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. 
To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.